Gavin, thank you so much for jumping on a call with me today. I'm really excited to talk sales with you uh, and particularly sales strategy. So sales strategy, I mean, what what's the difference between sales strategy to you and like just sales? Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, so I started in enterprise B2B sales uh, for startups back in 2015. And I, I really, I come in and never been in software sales before i come from a blue collar um, recruitment background so i didn't know how to sell software so and i went okay well what does it i learned what a go-to-market strategy was i learned how to do lead gen and i learned all those things as much as you could learn them and got all the information together went out went to the market and right this is this how we're gonna this is our go-to-market strategy did all that market still didn't buy i was like what are we missing like there's something not going on because the market buys from the, the the markets meet. So the seller meets the buyer and it's shown around and around and around in different markets. I was like, what's our strategy or what are we missing? So that sent me on a journey from 2015 to today about learning about sales strategy. And sales strategy, in my mind, has to be has to be repeatable and has to be the same across all industries. You just apply that strategy and pull the levers that make suit uh, make sense for different different markets, and uh, that's what I've been working on. And I'm really surprised no one else really talks about it. There's methodology, and that's common. You know the medic principles that that's a great methodology. You've got Miller Hyman, their methodologies, or you've got sales process that's implementing the methodology. But no one really talks about sales strategy, and it's it's surprising. Why do you why do you think that is? I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like I think they just most people approach um, an interaction with someone from their own perspective, right? And when people or businesses they're tasked with, I have to go out and sell. They think that they have a sales problem, so they go out and approach it from a sales perspective. I need to do this much activity. I know a certain percentage isn't going to work, so. If I've got a 10% response rate or success rate, I have to make 10 calls to one sale, right? That's their, their perspective. But it doesn't matter if your, your clients don't decide to buy. It doesn't matter how much you try to sell. Um, you can't buy. You can't sell anything. So they're focusing on the wrong thing. So the strategy should be focusing on helping people buy. And traditionally, when you say that, how do you create demand? People go, that's a marketing function. And it's a, it's not a marketing function at all. Like it's a, um, it's a, how do you get people to buy? And um, that's why I think it gets confused. So people go, oh, demand, that's marketing. It's not sales. And it's a really, it's just messed up. There's a lot of, there's a lot of um, literature out there that, that confuses people and it's almost right. And that's the most dangerous thing. It's almost right, but it, it doesn't actually, um, um, it doesn't actually help. So I just think there's so much literature out there. People are just following stuff that's been written and people get somewhat success, some success, but not, not repeatable, scalable success, right? So, How do you, do you generate demands using sales if sales is kind of more of a, generally it's more of a reactive thing. So you have your marketing at the top of the funnel, collecting marketing qualified leads, and then they come down into some guy's CRM and you know sales is there to kind of process it. But what, what what do you suggest is an alternative approach to this? 
So just just in those statements alone, when top of the funnel and marketing and all that's just rhetoric, right? That's out there in the market. I oh, think that's why I mentioned I'm, I'm provoking you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh no 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 no, it's great. Like you were saying, what everyone does, right? Top of the funnel. No. How do we get interest? And it's, I think you first need to understand. We need to recognize and fundamentally understand we all make decisions the same way. Like if we can, we have to agree on first and foremost, a sale is a consequence of someone deciding to buy, right? Like I, you walk into a, a electrical appliance store, doesn't matter how much they try to sell you a TV. If you're not interested and you're not ready to do that, it doesn't matter. You're just not going to do it. You're not going to buy so in every interaction, you have to decide to buy, then the market can sell. Do, do, would you agree with that? Right. So, so, okay, well, then how do we create demand? And we have to have, people have to see value. Like, And, and that first and foremost is, right, how do they create demand? Well, people typically buy something to solve a problem in their life. Like, And you have to be interested in, you have a problem or you're interested in something so figuring out what you really solve as a business or what you're really selling as a salesperson or what value you offer is the first first and foremost, the most important thing you need to figure out. Like with instant, for instance, with Growth Mentor, you're, it seems like you're selling mentoring services, but you're actually taking shaving so much time off people's learning curve that the business gets benefit of accelerated like smarter people within the business, be able to generate more revenue faster, be able to accelerate the roadmap, be able to make less mistakes within their business. That's what you're selling through mentoring um, on the platform, right? So recognizing what you're selling and then finding the market that that appeals to most or the problems are the direct opposite to what you're selling will maximize your value. And then you, you're just working along a like a, an interest, like you're getting interest, defining the problem, making sure your requirements meet those, maximize the value in our eyes by solving that problem. And that's how you create value. And then people will need you in their business if you do it the right way. Mm -hmm. So to kind of sum up the way I understood it, it's that you have to take a look, an honest look at your own product or service or whatever it is that you're, you're, you're selling. Um, look at your customers, your ideal customers that you want to attract and really dig in and understand what value they're getting from it, right? And then kind of use that, uh, package it up and put it in your sales collateral, which is kind of the segue into the next question. So like from a practical perspective, like how do we how do we actually, what do you propose as the correct methodology or, or, or best practices for uh, for working sales strategy in the way that, that, that you're kind of, um, suggesting here? Well, it's, it's testing, like oh, without putting it into collateral, you really need to test the message. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Like I'm mentoring on the platform, but my day job is an enterprise SaaS salesperson. So there's a, in Australia here, there's a movement in industry with, um, with critical asset operators in the country need to actually make a change in their work, the way they manage workforce compliance. It's a boring topic, but it, it's, so what I'm doing, I understand the framework what I'm doing is I'm I'm going in and I understand the unique features of our platform or the outcomes that we provide. So I'm framing the message in a way to teach them something that they're not um, that they're not um, thinking about the problem. So I've taught them in a way, but in a way, 
of creating the problem that our solution or, or highlighting the problem or highlighting all the indirect costs that I know our solution can solve. So what I'm doing is turning that problem from a, let's call it a $30,000 or $40,000 problem to a $400,000 problem and saying, did you know you had all this, um, this, these issues in your business? And I go, I've never thought about, about it like that. And now I'm working on my messaging as I do it. And then I'll say, let me show you our solution. So I'm moving them along to show them an outcome. And then I go, yeah, that makes sense. So I'll go, right, that messaging writes, that works. <clears throat> Let's see if we can test that again with other customers or other potential clients. And then if we can get a repeated outcome from that messaging, then we'll start turning it into webinars or, or collateral because we've been out in the field and tested it and getting an outcome. And then yep. we go, right, okay. So I would walk before you run. So, and that's what we're doing today. Today we talked about, hey, this is work with these five clients. I think we can put this in a webinar and go out to 100 clients to test it again before we go out to the rest of the 1,000 people in Australia who are affected. So small incremental steps. And people try to automate too quick or go quickly from, hey, that's our messaging. Let's put it in a marketing collateral without any real feedback if, to, if it gets a desired outcome. Does that make sense? Totally, yeah. And, you know, it reminds me of kind of how I run Google Ads, right? You'll, you'll test a couple of different creatives and maybe you'll put $10 a day on it, right? And yep. Yep. within a couple of days, you'll, you'll kind of see some indicators, not even from conversion rates, but just kind of like click-through rates, some more up-funnel metrics, yep. uh, and then decides what you're going to do if you're going to kill the creatives or scale them or so on and so forth. And I think that with sales, people don't really do that. They just jump straight into sending 100 emails a day or you know, from their lead yep. list. And I don't understand why why that is. Why do, why do you think that the sort of um, the experimentation mindset uh, uh, is sometimes forgotten in sales? Well, I think because you come in as a quote, I think because you come in and you have a quota, right? Like you've got to hit this budget and sales people's roles at the end of the day, you're performance driven. If you don't hit your numbers within a certain period of time, you're out. And it's a, you've seen those movies, Boiler Room and um, Wolf of Wall Street. A, yeah, like, so you really have no choice. So you know, they already tell you that your strike, your hit rate will be about 10%, right? Like even on lead gen, the response rate is in 9% is industry standard. Well, if you do it the way everyone else does it, yeah, sure, your response rate is 9%. But I can get it up to 80% by rethinking it the way that people um, and just doing different things of what the market does. So I just think that a lot of people come in and they get told to do a process and the process is fundamentally flawed because it's a methodology or a process and it's not based on strategy. It's based on our their perspective of, hey, we need to sell this much revenue by hitting this many clients and without actually taking into consideration hey, let's help a buyer along their decision-making journey to get to the, an outcome of buying us as quick as possible. It's a different, it's a different mindset. Um, and, and, and going back to what you said before about the Google Ads, we can learn a lot about other industry and a lot of like nature. When we learn to walk, we don't start running straight away because we'll fall over and it won't work. We, we stumble or we walk and we take our time professional athletes walk through their professional plays. They don't run at full pelt straight away. And it's just, and that's what sales teams do. They try to run full pelt and it falls over, it breaks. Walk before you run. And you have to walk before you run and iterate. And it's, it's the only way to do it. 
if okay. if you want to build long-term success in your business. Makes sense. So like I'm thinking about a salesperson who maybe is an SDR or just got into an account executive role and mm-hmm. they're listening to this and they're like, great, sounds amazing, but my boss or the founder has these crazy quotas and it's just unrealistic and they keep like whipping me on the back, like, go, go, go. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think about any sales role, sales is a you can't go to school for selling, right? You can only learn it at the School of Hard Knocks. What I think about when I started doing this at, in, in software, I took it as a five-year traineeship or a degree or an apprenticeship, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, well, what do I need to learn in that first instance? And action is everything, effort. And that's why SDRs start at the beginning of the, um, of the, um, of the process. You can still do all that effort, but it's a slight change in how you approach it. The effort's the effort. But with every journey, like I always, if I'm an SDR and I'm just started out, starting out, you need to take them on a journey from the journey of a sale is them not knowing you to wanting to buy you. Now, it could be a, a year journey. It could be a month journey. It could be two-week journey. You're just depending on the business, right? But at some point, they don't know who you are. And then at some point, they want you into business. So I, a journey, there's three components to a journey. There's the beginning and the end and a destination or the route that they take, right? And if you think about someone's mind, whenever you get on a call, their mindset, I always check their mindset. So um, if I'm cold calling someone, I know they're busy. I know that I don't have their full attention. Most people forget about it. So if I'm an SDR, when I've done SDR work, I was like, hey, I know I've caught you at a bad time and you acknowledge that. Is this an okay time to talk or can we talk to it another time? Sometimes I say yes. Sometimes I say no, call back. But you can be far more effective as an SDR is by understanding their mindset and go, right, that's their anchor start place of thinking, move them along to that next stage or how often as an SDR, what's the goal to get them to? It was probably to hand them over to an AE to do the sales job. So how do you do that? Well, they need to want to see the product or they need to go, yes, I want to buy or whatever that stage is. Just plot that mental path and say, what would you do if you were them or what would you need to see or hear to get them from one point to the next and then work on that. Plot the hypothesis out of the journey and say, is that right? Is that right or wrong? And just iterate and move them along. I guarantee you no one thinks about it like that. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I, I think that makes complete. It's the buyer, it's the buyer journey. I mean, we 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 yep. talk about this all the time. <clears throat> yeah. It's but- again, it's the almost, it's the almost, it's the buyer's decision making journey. It's their mindset. It's almost the same. It's most buyers, yeah, most buyers' journeys talk about how they interact with the company or the website. But this is how do you give mind shift change? How do you deliver information to change their mind to need your product in their business? Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what sort of practical tips can you give for S- Let's talk a little bit about SDR since we started talking about that specific yep. role uh, to better get into the minds of their prospects? Is it just a matter of talking to enough people and kind of taking really good notes and asking the right questions? Yeah, look, there's a couple of different ways. One is if you've already got customers within their business, if, if there's already customers within their business, you have a wealth of knowledge there that the company may not know about, like who bought that product in their business and then build out a, a persona as such. 
But a persona goes to a little bit different how I think about it is who are you selling to or who's the main person that may be responsible or how would they, who's the person that will show the most interest in the business? Are they a 40-year-old lady or a 40-year-old man or are they 30? What's their age group? But what worries do they have? What responsibilities will they have? Do they have a family? Um, does that take up their mind? Do they answer to have a team of people that answer to them? All these things take up um, mind, uh, a piece of their mind, right? Um, do, what KPIs are they tasked with in their business? And how can you tie in your value proposition to the KPIs or the objectives that they've been set for the year? And one time I met a guy at a conference and um, we were talking about a platform that when I was selling an engineering drawing management system, and it happened to be that his KPI for the year was implementing a new engineering drawing management system. And I was like, well, that's hot on his um, on his radar. So we just framed a whole value proposition around that and then need for that business. And we implemented within three months a, a multi-power generation company here in Australia worth, I don't know, a, half, a couple of million dollars or something plus half a million implementation because we knew what his KPIs were. So if you can tie into those drivers and alleviate one of the reasons I say about a family and staff is because they're going to be preoccupied when you call them and you have to be able to get the, earn their interest or get them interested to earn their attention, basically. So I would just test that and saying, hey, look, obviously, look, I know I've caught you off guard. I know you're probably in between meetings. This is what we do. If this And it, the problem that we solve probably presents like this within your business. Does that does that resonate with you? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Can we set another time to have a ten minute call when you can give me more attention? Yes. Thank you very much. That'll be, and and I'll, I'll try and work like that. Yeah. And you you only need to think about people when they cold call you. They don't even ask you. Have you got a second? They just start trying to rattle off what they want to sell you, and you're like, I'm not interested. I would give you a time if you ask me and be respectful, but most people don't do it. Yeah. So what's the best way to, I mean, I'm not a cold caller. I've never really done it before. So excuse yeah. my ignorance here. I'm going to ask what's the best okay. opening opening line for like a, a cold caller. Uh, well, most people are comfortable saying no. And I learned this from Chris Voss uh, in his book. Um, oh, geez, I forget about it, but it's a, he's an FBI negotiator. Um, most people are comfortable saying no. So you have to ask a question. Like if someone asks you, have you got a minute? And you like you're like, no, your natural reaction is no, just mm-hmm. not yes. So ask them a question where they can give you no for an answer, but no means to keep talking. So I'll always say, Hey, g'day. Um, my name's Gavin. Is this a bad time? And then no, you can hear them halfway through the call, halfway through the no, they've just got no, and they've realized they've just given you permission to talk for two minutes or five minutes. So They'll say, no, no, I've got to be in the meeting in two minutes. And I go, yeah, that's okay. I only need a minute. No, it's not going to be that long. So you've got what you wanted and now you're having a conversation. But if you say, hey, have you got have you got two minutes? The answer is it's not yes. They, no one says yes. Yeah. They, they say no and then the call's ended. So it's the same thing. you just got to reframe the question. That's the best opening line line that I found. I, I really yeah. like no, 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 It buys no. you a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah. There's no, um, it's so not that time. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, is it bad time? No. I guess, so, I guess and, like my internal sort of gears are like, yeah, I'd probably keep just you know let it. I'll let them have like thirty seconds. It's gonna happen next, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like you see, you you hear it. They got they've realized what they've done because it's a natural oh, reaction, like, and they've just yeah, yeah. And then you've gone, 
you've got a couple of seconds to get out what you want to what you want to get out. You pass that first hurdle of not inter- being not interested. Yeah. But one of the best ways as an SDR as well is sign up for mailing lists or sign up for lead generation stuff. Like put your name down on websites for lead indicators and and be the consumer on the other side of the market and see how bad some of these approaches are. And then don't do that. Like do, let people like I, I've got emails in my. I keep them in a folder, out, outbound email cadences that people, and they're just, they're just shit, to be honest. So they're, um, and just learn what they do and then don't do that. That's a big one. So Yeah, I, I think a lot of people try and do the opposite. Um, like I have my inspiration folder and like little, everyone's got the little lists of things they love, but like things that you hate that you don't want to do. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess probably there's just way too much of it. It's most of marketing and sales is crap. So it's uh, correct. In, in you, space in my email server. You, you can just see it. You, you can just see after a while you get the general gist. A lot of emails are written from the eye perspective. I would like to set up a time. Who, who cares what you want? Like, why yeah. would they want to do it? You know? So you get the gist and then just try to work on incrementally improving that. And it takes time, but if you consistent effort, you'll get there. Most of the mentees on Growth Mentor are, are founders. So like, what sort of advice would you give to startup founders that are trying to, to do sales themselves for their early stage uh, bootstrapped uh, tech startup? So I think technical founders, let's call it that, this, maybe we'll talk about technical founders, right? Sales, let's say sales founders don't have a problem because they they think they can sell. Well, they, they, they can sell to some degree. So technical founders, what I see is my experience is they're so proficient in coding and programming and things like that, but that soft skills of selling or engaging people may not be on their top three skill list. So they defer it. They, they go, I'll do that at the end of the day. And they just always ignore it or they'll, they'll go, I'm not really good at it. I'll leave it to the end of the day. Then I'll finally get to it at four o'clock, make a couple of calls when people aren't in the right mindset and they'll get the no's or not interested and it reinforces their not having the great skills to do it. So, but I think just rethinking that like an engineer's perspective is iterate, fail fast, iterate or walk before you can run or, or coding just slowly is the right way to approach sales. Technical salespeople, technical founders are the key to building a long-term um, successful sales process or a strategy within their business because they're starting technically they're subject matter experts on the problem that problems they solve or they should be. So they understand they um, they're more likely to get the ear of the companies because they're starting the business to solve it and they can teach people. Like you are, I think to you really need people lead people to better outcomes if they're going to engage with your company, like a service. We're offering a service and the service is to provide an outcome. So technical founders, their skill um, will help them develop a robust sales process about uncovering problems, quantifying it, and don't be afraid. Like I even, I've been doing this for many years and I still get those butterflies in my stomach about calling people and all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't go away. You just got to learn to manage it. And um, yeah. ask different questions, approaching it from a different different perspective. Awesome, I uh, yeah, I, I I know what you mean. It never it never really leaves. Even jumping on this podcast, I was like, oh no, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but it's all good. Um, cool, Gavin. Uh, is there any if somebody wants to learn more or contact you, uh, uh, um, where can they reach you? 
Yeah, so you can find me on Growth Mentor, obviously, uh, Gavin Tai. I'm also on LinkedIn, um, Gavin Tai as well, or you can reach out to me um, at gavin at salesmarketfit.co. And I'm um, happy to, to have a chat about strategy and, and offer any point you in anyone in any direction I can. Amazing. Thank you so much for jumping on. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure chatting. Thanks. Thanks, Fody. 